What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my good friend Richard Harris, and we are brought to you today and all of October by Gong, Lead 411, Perception Predict, and Find them. Find them. That's the brand, the brand new one that just snuck in there. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited today to talk to my new friend and uh, sponsor of Thursday Night Sales and COO of Aspireship, Christine Rogers. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you. This is going to be so fun. I'm anxious I, to hear all these good questions you're going to pepper me with. Well, I don't want you to get your hopes up too high because... <laughs> The first thing that I'm thinking right now is like, this is the first time that I feel like I've been on Zoom with you where you're not snacking on something and eating. Famous Richard for basically just eating your dinner in the middle of Thursday night sales. You're you're drinking your dinner. You're tequila eating your way through dinner. That's fair. She's doing it healthier than I am. That's true. Well, he's kind of deserting. He's tequila dessert. I mean, that's deserting, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're fancy tequila. That's right. Christine, are you in Austin also? No, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where we're based out of. I just read where you guys had 145 days this year over 100 degrees. Yes, I know. Ridiculous. I know. And I'm wearing long sleeves today because uh, it's freezing in here. So it's it's like, I don't know, 70 degrees. So then you go outside and you're just melting. You walk in here and you're freezing. It's 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 not good. Now, okay. before, before we start talking about serious things, oh. are you Sun Devil or Wildcat? Sun Devil all the way. Scott, you just ba- you baited me. I did. Totally walked right, right, into, that walked so, right into that one. Richard, so. Christine, in case you don't know, went to U of A. Yeah. So, I have heard that. I have heard good. that. Mm-hmm. So, Feel good that we, have, we are outnumbering him now. Oh, please. You'll be fine. I can't. Christine, tell tell everybody who doesn't know a little bit about what you do right now and what Aspireship is and what your role is. Sure. So we're just coming up on our one year at the end of the month, the day before Halloween, we launched um, this startup. And really what we do is we take people that are interested in getting into technology, specifically SaaS sales, uh, full cycle selling, and um, we provide a course that's free to them if they'd like to learn this. And if they can successfully complete and pass the course, then we introduce them to hiring partners on the other side that are more um, concerned with capability and aptitude and also characteristics and you know who they are from an attitude perspective rather than having the perfect resume. So, um, so we kind of have an interesting two-sided um, community that we're always working with, you know, people that are candidates, teaching, training, helping them understand, and also helping them understand if this is not for them as well, which we do a lot of that as well. So, um, and yeah, go ahead. No, so what are the things you're uncovering there? Because I think it's interesting that, you know, you're, you're taking um, you're sort of an opposite-ish approach to this, right? To sort of help them really kind of, you know, you know, Scott was really good at this in interview. He'd be like, so what do you really want to do? And he would go, they would say something. He'd be like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> and people would end up in tears. They'd be like, oh my God, nobody's ever supported me. How are you doing that? Like, that's great. Like, what kind of things are you like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You should probably do this. Like, what does it look like? So the, the coursework is just a foundational course. It is some sales methodology, but it is also a lot of um, kind of like real talk. 
So the format is a little different. It is an inter it's we interview different people um, in different roles about specific topics. So the first um, class is with three reps that have gone from pretty much kind of like SDR all the way up and they're all in different roles and some tr strategic, some enterprise, some SMB, you know, one of them is still there. And so really understanding like what is a day in the life really look like? And that's probably the longest course we put it right up front so people understand what is this job first. Um, because And we get a lot of drop off after that. And we go back and ask like, hey, why didn't you do more? What, you know, what happened there? And they're like, yeah, I realized I actually don't, I don't think that sounds good at all. <laughs> so, and that's good. You know, we'd rather people know what it is. We also have created inside of the platform, um, some practice projects, which are role plays. And then at the end, there are three role plays and they're consistent. So, uh, we're training them for predominantly a transactional environment. So a bubble up kind of an old lead, a new maybe demo request, and then we're going into what we would think of as a decision call. And of course the prospect comes back with a bunch of stuff that um, they didn't cover. <laughs> so can they handle those things in product? Right. So they're, you know, we're also seeing, can they be technologically savvy? Yeah. Do they know how to communicate? If they're having trouble, how do they communicate with us? Uh, is important uh, in those things that are all showing us whether we think these would, these people would be a good candidate or not. So uh, what advice could you give to those people? Not that we wouldn't want them to come and use you to, for your service, but what are the things that you're helping someone uncover to make them go, I don't want to do this? Like, what are these tasks you're assigning to them knowing that it's meant to weed people out? Like Accounting 101, I had 600 people at U of A on that. Right. And it was designed to be hard and sucky so they could weed out the people who didn't want to be accountants, which technically I already knew before I went in, but I had to prove it to them that I sucked at it. Um, so <laughs> what, what are the things that you're, you know, you're helping them to dispel? Hmm. So I think some people don't. Uh... We're, we see kind of two main, maybe three personas that come through. People that are very new to sales have, you know, just dabbled in it a little, but want more understanding it. Maybe they've just been, they're like, you know, kind of somebody told them they have to get to gab, you got to get into sales. One of these things where they're, you know, they're just very new to it. The other we're seeing a lot of is people that have been in sales roles that have done other things that have not been a technology enabled sale or a SaaS sale. And so they don't know what it's like. And I, you know, had the experience, and I know you have as well, Scott, you know, where you're hiring lots of people and you hire personas that look similar and you're going like, why did these three work out and these eight not? And they all kind of, you know, maybe there were similar backgrounds. I mean, I've hired, I took, I hired people off of Cutco and I hired, you know, teachers and I hired different, you know, I would try different things and different hiring processes. And, um, a lot of times those ones would get in and say like, oh my God, dialing and emailing and doing all of these things. That, that, that's a lot of different things that I wasn't thinking I'd be doing during the day. You know, a lot of sitting, a lot of listening, a lot of, you know, just they don't understand sometimes that day-to-day -day work, that what that actually is. And even though you try to tell them what it is, you know, you're gonna have different things that you're gonna have to do, um, emailing, updating CRM, uh, you know, making a lot of dials, making lots of calls, talking to people. If you don't love talking to people and being on the phone. And I think a lot of people just have a different sense of what sales is and it kind of, they kind of feel like it's a little bit glamorous and don't really understand those things. And I think, um, you know, we do those, 
we do a pretty good job in there of trying to explain what it really is and then having them do it. So now try to have a conversation, have a role play. It's static. So if you don't follow directions and follow the prompts, you're not going to do well in the conversation. And so uh, it'll be a little uncomfortable, which again, part of the part of what this is all about. We're all testing and trying and falling on our face all the time. So I, I look at your background and you've got a great sales background, which I, I'd want to ask you know, some questions about your experiences in sales, but everything you've done has been around people. It looks like, right. And I wouldn't even call it the HR space. Like it's, it's really about professional development kind of stuff. How did you choose that? Right? Like that's not necessarily, I don't sort of see that, but maybe it's cause I'm not passionate about it. Right. Um, you know, Scott hates people, right? He doesn't really like people. So I know he doesn't. So. <laughs> he does not. I mean, I got a text here that says, I, I, I like Scott, I'm giving yeah, you a he has, he has evidence, Christine, that I had a moment where I did not like people very much. He has that. And he just texts me and he goes, I hate people. Um, <laughs> so, but, but what is that about it? What is it that, that drew you to that part of the sales world? Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of, always have been in sales, you know, so did insurance early on and then owned my own business. And I think that's where it really started to matter to me, where I started to understand that um, it is people, it is connecting and it is uh, doing more than just schlepping something. And um, it was a retail furniture store for baby furniture. And so I was having these moments with, I had these like really defining moments with moms to be, I had some really sad moments, um, you know, where like people will let you into their lives in a very interesting way. If you were really just being yourself and offering something, you know, in kind of a value exchange that makes sense for everybody. And um, that's really where I started cluing into this is a people business. And then because that you know kind of failed and we had to close it right around 2009 10 when it was getting really kind of ugly for everyone you know freight tripled and it became really difficult and you know i actually took a job at a company that specialized in serving small businesses so i came in knowing like i've done a small business i probably understand some of that pain and realized that the sales process was the same just looked a little different but was the same you know and so then i started really realizing that this is all about connecting with the right people with a solution that makes sense for them. And um, yeah, that's kind of like been my jam the whole time. So how did you even get into sale? Were you, were you, you know, the young lady who always had, you know, selling candy or lemonade stand as a kid, did mom, are mom and dad surprised that you went into sales? Not at all. Like, you know, I thought I was going to go to law school. So I kind of grew up thinking, uh, so I, I, and then also kind of looked at, at ASU, say that again. Um, I, you know, looked at everyone I, makes mistakes, Christine. It's okay. <laughs> I hated math. So, um, in true, uh, I think sales fashion, I looked at it and was like, what is the degree where I have to do the least amount of math? And it was like a criminal justice kind of justice degree. And I was like, oh yeah, I kind of think about law school anyway. And so uh, I've always been just somebody that can argue and chat it up. And, and I thought this would be really interesting. And um, then was a little disillusioned, got like a part-time job at an insurance office that was kind of a district office and ended up training a whole bunch of these 
insurance agents just because I kind of grasped it pretty well. And so didn't even know what I was doing. I was in college, you know, and uh, they didn't tell me sales process or anything like that. They certainly weren't teaching the insurance agents that. What? And it was boring, you know. What's the best argument you ever won with your mom and dad? Let me think. Uh, you know, it was to get our first dog. Uh, so that, yeah, we. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big win right there. That is a. We, so, my, it took my kids three years to get that out of us. Yeah, but. I was twelve. I was twelve when we got our first dog, and we were in an apartment. I mean, it was like in Philly, where and it was just a thing, and um, we we found a small dog so that i mean we went into all the details around it and we yeah my sister and i kind of created a little pitch for it and the whole thing and and presented it multiple times it got better every time but that was probably my best one uh, that's, that's like pitching to a vc that's like pitching to your customer like it's all rolled into one right, right. Like, there's a ton of competition against the status quo of doing nothing right like that's probably the ultimate sales and, and yeah, you're so in front of the decision makers I had to promise to do all the fulfillment called picking up all the dog shit. Like I had to do all that down the road too. So not, I had to make all, I, you know, sign my life away, which we all probably have done once or twice too. <laughs> That's funny. Christine, did you, did you know that you were going to go back to starting your own business? I mean, I don't think people realize, but you were a, a head of sales for like, eight years, seven, seven, eight years in between running your own retail store, like you mentioned, and starting a, a fire ship. I mean, eight years is a long time to be in software sales leadership um, at some really well-known, you know, companies, Infusionsoft, MindBody, like those are big companies in the, in the Scottsdale uh, market for sure. Mm -hmm. Did you know the whole time that at some point you were going to go back and, and, and start something yourself or did it just come across? come out, you know, come on suddenly, like, oh, this is it. I really want to do this. You know, I've always been just so enamored with the entrepreneurial spirit. And also I just really respect it. So, um, you know, I think once you've done it and I mean, retail is hard and you add on top dealing with hormonal women. Um, I mean, this is like a whole nother level of when we have to order furniture and I told you it was going to take a little time and it took the same amount of time I said, and that wasn't okay. You know, so really like when you're in a space where you're learning about people like that, then, then you just, I mean, when I go get my vacuum cleaner fixed, man, I just think like, wow, this is hard. You know, this, I really understand how hard it is. So I think in my core, I always thought, I could do this again. I, because I believe in it. And I just think of all the things I didn't know then, you know, if, like, oh God, I just like complete, like, you know, it's kind of bullshit to say like the economy tanked us because I, I mean, me and my business partner made bad decisions. We tanked us, you know, and, and yes, freight went up and yes, all this other stuff happened, but we did not, we were just flying by the seat of our pants a lot well, of the time. Can you, can you share one or two of the bad decisions? that you, you know, in hindsight would have, would have done differently? Totally. Yeah. So I think, um, it was, we made decisions about not investing in certain things. Like we were doing some of the way we were receiving things wrong and just like little things like that, where it was like, 
um, the functionality because I came into it. She had had a business there and then we kind of, you know, um, I, I bought into it and then we expanded, changed the branding, really took on some different things that were interesting, but we didn't do like that. She, she had never invested in like an accountant, like beyond the, you know, the one that does the quarterlies, but somebody like to be watching this stuff all the time. So when margins started to shift, it was for, it wasn't cluing in the right way fast enough. So it's things like that, where we didn't make those investments and having um, those other people that, that are so much better at it than we are. I mean, that is one thing for sure I would have changed for sure is, is making sure we had more resources and invested in those resources earlier on. Yeah. You, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, you said the word community and you're a big part of the Thursday night sales uh, community and so many people i think are coming to you and aspireship being a part of the i think it's a community that that you're building there what you're putting people through how how are you seeing the uh people who are on the market right now how are you seeing them come together as their own community to try to help each other land jobs and and what part do, do you and, and can people like Amy and me and Richard continue to play in that community? Yeah. So I think one of the things that's great is I'm seeing people encourage each other in a way that is not necessarily just what people want to hear, but also what they need to hear. You know, like, for instance, um, when you all, especially in Thursday Night Sales, give insights as to um, when you show up this way, when you're doing this online, when these things are happening, these are blind spots sometimes for people that I don't think they even know. And it's not that they're, um, you know, trying to be this way, but they don't even understand how they're being perceived. And so I love that the, in the community, people feel safe enough to ask questions around, hey, could you take a look at this for me? I mean, I'm seeing people help others with um, my LinkedIn profile, or I, you know, I see people going, hey, I just heard of this opportunity that this is not for me, but, it, but you mentioned something like that, or I heard it on Thursday night sales and that you were looking for something like that. And I'm loving that because we're listening with a different ear, not just for, for us. And I'm seeing that in other people they are not just listening for themselves they are listening for everyone, which there's like a magic there that doesn't normally happen because we're kind of just naturally self-interested most of the time, especially when we're on the market looking. So I'm really loving that. I think that's huge. And continuing that, continuing that conversation, um, fostering that conversation, making space for it. And also, um, you know, you guys are great at giving feedback. I think we're all trying to give feedback when asked and being open. Why do you think that's changed so much? Aside from like COVID's a big piece of this, but communities definitely have been around for, you know, the last couple of years in sales. Mm -hmm. um, and even deeper than the communities, people are way more willing to share. Yeah. Not, and I've talked many times where it's like, I can't tell you how I hit my goal. I'm not going to share with you what my business plan was or my job description or my compensation plan. Like I would never share a compensation plan with another company. Like, oh my God, that's terrible, right? <laughs> Why do you think that shifted? What have you seen? Cause you work with people at this sort of a slightly more intimate and emotional level. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think from, I, well, I, I mean, yes, I think that we can't, we can't argue that COVID hasn't had a, I mean, it's, right. it's a huge part. However, 
I think that it's, I think we've all been missing something where we've all had this scarcity mindset and I've been one of them. You know, um, Scott and I have talked a little bit back and forth, especially on some, some of his posts when you, you, Scott, you're talking specifically about like how you used to manage before and how like these things, it like wounded me. Cause I'm like, yes, I remember those moments, you know, where I was literally like just hammering my team about where we needed to be and, you know, pushing them till midnight because we could hit Australia. And, you know, I, um, I think that it started to shift. I will say one, because like labor laws and things shifted. I mean, this is just me keeping it super real. I mean, which frustrated me to no end because I'm like, why look salespeople work when they work like, you know, this is what it means to be a salesperson, but also that, that did, um, that did cause some conversation around is this best? Is this healthy? Can we, you know, do these things? We started seeing more people taking short-term disability, disability here and there because they were so tapped out, stressed out. And I was seeing that too. And I think, I think it's all kind of culminated to be in an interesting time where we're going again, do we have to dominate and crush each other? Do we have to do these things? And there's a little less, um, I know I'm a little bit more sensitive to what teams I join, what board members I'm going to be talking with. I, you know, how that's, I'm going to be a little bit more selective about what, um, who we partner with because um, that kind of thinking sometimes causes for unnatural behavior to happen in the business that is not sustainable and not scalable. It's kind of like, you know, putting a lot of paint, carpet and saying it's good when we need to redo the plumbing. And we all know we need to redo the plumbing. We're just trying to, we're just trying to get this thing so bought, you know? <laughs> you think that back in the day, cause I, I was certainly this way. Scott was probably this way, but he was really good at hiding it. He has a good poker face that, that you knew you really shouldn't be pushing a human that hard till midnight. Like, did you, you know, or did you really think, no, this is okay. Like, you know, because for me, and I was scared to say anything or was scared to make the change. Like I think a lot of people, I think I knew, I just didn't want to admit it. Well, I think I justified it because I'm like, they're making good money and they're like, they don't, you know, if you're at goal, you don't have to be here. I don't care. You know, as long as you're doing what you need to be doing. Um, but if you're not, and you're not here, we're probably gonna have a different conversation come the first of the month. So, um, you know, and that's the part for me where, it, um, yeah, it was, it was hard, especially like around holidays and stuff. That's where I was like having a, that was where I would struggle, really struggle. Like having my people come in, you know, cup, it, was, it was just tough, man. Did, being, did, did having kids change your leadership style at all? My kids were around for all of that. So um, I would like to say they changed me and made me into a softer, gentler human. Um, and I asked this question right now where I can literally hear my 12 and 10 year old boys fighting in the background. So just the context. So I will say that um, I think I'm a better leader for having had kids. Like I learned so much from them, but also understanding that like this way, the way that maybe we had done it before is not always going to be the best way and air cover only gets you so far. And if you do it on the backs of people, like that doesn't feel good. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a fake sense of permanence when I first 
got into sales leadership about what I was able to do and the hours that I could work and how hard I could push myself and things like that. And that shatters and goes away very quickly or did for me when I had a baby and I'm up all night dealing with this baby. And then I have the second baby and I'm trying to sort all these things out while still doing all the work. It's like, dude, I can't stay up till one o'clock in the morning anymore working on these reports. I can't be in the office till 11 o'clock on the last day of the month trying to close, close deals. And you know, when I'm 27, 28 years old, I did not have the empathy or the understanding to, to understand what older team members of mine who had kids already were going through. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it, it, it certainly had an impact on me. That's why I was curious if it had an impact on you. I, I, I know it did impact. I, I think for me, it became more internal saying like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. This doesn't work for me. And being able to have the freedom to say, um, you know, I wasn't blame, blaming it on my kids or those things. Cause I'm telling you, my kids came with me black Friday. My kids were in the office with me. Like we, like that was just, they, we never, we never did vacations near the end of the month. We never did. You know, we, we all do that. Like, that's just kind of what we did. My extended family knew that they're like, Oh, she can't do it. That's the end of the month. <laughs> When your family, your extended family understands that like, it's just not going to happen because it's the end of the month. I'm like, this seems like this might not be healthy, you know? So, uh, so kind of taking a little bit of a breather there. Yeah, particularly at start, even in the startup world, like you don't get the Monday holidays. Like I remember, you know, it's like you maybe got Labor Day and Memorial Day, right? Um, and I, I can, I can remember uh, Janet going to, it's uh, Columbus Day. Don't you have Columbus Day off? I'm like, I don't have fucking Columbus Day off. What are you talking about? I, no. I still have that from this week. <laughs> like, it's like, why are you working? It's Monday. The boys have off of school. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. So, so this, that's a really interesting point because that was something that we decided very early on with this business that we would do. So any federal holiday any holiday that a mom or a dad would have to figure out who the hell is going to watch their kids we have off and so we just started it that way okay. and also we know i mean i did different things where it's like if we push really hard at the end you know so if you work for me from you know essentially christmas until new year's i mean we did all kinds of things to get that end of the year really strong that strong push at the end but nobody wants to be off i'd be like i'll give you off the first week of january who wants to be off the first week of January? Right. Your family's all off that. So we actually on for uh, uh, this company for Aspireship, we the last day of the year is um, the day before Christmas Eve, and so we will just push until then, yeah. and then we all take off together because you know how it is when somebody's there and somebody's not, and all the other things going on. You yeah. can't relax. You can't relax. Yeah, I've I've done that for years now. Just shut it down, like right before the last few days before Christmas and then until the end of January. And it's like the people who want to still work will, will still find a way to work. Yep. Right? <laughs> you're, not, you're not really losing that much, right? In, in fairness, Scott owes me a lot because I go through the calendar because of the podcast and I will go in and put every Monday holiday. He still yeah, works I, through it. As I, as I, I'm oblivious to it. Right, and I'm, I'm at least doing it because I, I know I, like, it's a long weekend 
you know, I, I think now that you have the lake house, Scott, you're probably going to be appreciative of the fact that I've done this. It's like, oh yeah, Richard made sure I don't have anything on Monday. I, hope so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is how clueless I am. I, I just, you know, did this um, anti-racism chat the other day. And um, so I was chatting with Dwan Brown about coming on the podcast. And I, one of the dates and times that I sent him over, turns out it was Thanksgiving day. Right. You know, <laughs> he's like, I locked that on his calendar. I know I did. He's like, he's like, that's Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not going to work. Sorry about that. Did that. I'm like, hey dude, this is the, like the Monday of Thanksgiving week. Like I'm not saying I'm not going to do the podcast, but you know, come on. That one, that one, I still, I'll still push for that one. We'll see. We'll see. who. I, I want to shift a little bit. Um, Cause I, I think with the relationship I can go here and if it's too much, you know, pushback, but you, you, you know, you've come up as a woman in sales and in business in the 2000s, right, for a few years now. And we all know the bullshit that exists. You know, how have, and do you have daughters or do you have sons or both or what do you have? I have sons, two sons. You have two sons. So based on your experience, like, so one, I'd, I'd love to hear how you've handled those experiences, you know, and, you know, where it is, but because of those, how do you also raise your kids to not be those guys, right? Because I know we have a lot of parents who listen to this and I think it's super important. And so we, we, we'd like to go down this path if you, if you're I'm happy to. Yeah. So I, um, I think I was really fortunate to have a, a few very good sponsors and, um, I'm going to differentiate between like a mentor and a sponsor. Um, because I think that's important in this context. So kind of when I worked at the insurance world um, and I was very young teaching, um, typically, I'm just be honest, you know, white men who wanted to own their own insurance agencies, you know, how to sell. I had multiple moments that were um, completely ridiculous and utterly humiliating. And the, his name was Joe Basilis. He, he was the district manager at the time. And I remember this one time, you know, I'm sitting here teaching a training and uh, an agent literally walked over to me and was like, can you, uh, I don't like any of this sweetener. I mean, completely interrupted me. I don't like any of this sweetener. I only like the pink sweetener. So can you go figure this out? Like, and get me the sweetener. I'm like sitting here, like what is happening right now? And, um, uh, uh, I think you're muted, Scott. I can't hear you. Oh, okay. So that, that happened. And you know, I came out and I'm like, <clears throat> so one of my tells is when I get pissed, I turn really red right here. So like, I actually had to start when I would go to executive meetings and things I would wear like, <clears throat> just so I could, you know, so that I could maintain <laughs> that it wasn't pissed, but even thinking about it gets me hot. Um, when he, I said this asshole literally just, and I was trying to figure out what to say. Cause I was, you know, about, I think it was about 2021 and he um actually had he he called one of the other guys over and um he said let me give you money he gave him like 20 dollar bill he said buy as much sweetener as you can with that 20 dollar bill and the guy came back and he has you know two box he has just boxes and boxes of this sweetener and he walked in and he just dumped it right on this guy's like on the table right in front of him and he's like don't ever Ever. And he just, I mean, he just laid into him. And you know what? That was the first time when I thought to myself, yep, this is going to be a thing. This will be a thing. And you know what? It takes other people like that saying, this is my office. You won't treat 
anybody like that. And you're certainly not going to treat her like that. And, um, you know, just, it was so important for me to see that, that like good, good men that are not afraid to mix it up when something's wrong right in front of them. And I think that that happened really early for me. And then when I actually was at Infusionsoft, my boss at the time, phenomenal, um, so smart. His name is Aaron. Um, and he was such a good sponsor for me too, asking me, he was like, Christine, I know you're only, I was, I had only been there like a few months. And he said, I need two things. I need somebody to figure out sales enablement. And I was like, what's that? I didn't even really know what it was. And he said, um, he explained it. And I was like, that sounds so boring. And he's like, or number two, I need somebody to be kind of like a strategic thought partner for me. And um, would you, would you do that with me? Like be like an executive assistant. And I was like, uh, I'm not a secretary. Like I kind of like, but he said, I want you to trust me. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. And I'll, and I'll do all this with you. And I need, I'm not, I don't think like you, you're like a people person. I need that side. And I took a chance. That was a really big chance for me, you know, um, because I had owned my own business. So like, I, I was really wound up about it. And you know what? He was awesome. And he presented me with opportunity after opportunity. And I would say, no, no, I ended up doing the enablement role, building a team and make it, and then, you know, eventually took over the direct sales floor and the enablement side. And I think to myself, he asked me many times, you should do this. This is what you need to do. This is what you're doing anyway. And I was like, uh, uh, but he kept pushing me to really step in and do those things. And um, trusting that and understanding that there are people and great, great advocates, men and women that will sponsor you through that, seeing that, knowing what to ask for when it becomes there. I mean, these are the things that I didn't know early on, but man. I do, I do want to hear about I want to hear how you talk to your kids, but I do also want to dig in. How do you define a sponsor versus a mentor? I have, I have not heard that phrase till you said it. And I was really like, I have a vision in my head. Sure. Really important um, because I think other people, I think we think mentorship and we're afraid to ask for it sometimes. Yes. So from like the way I think about mentorship and the way that I enjoy mentoring others and have enjoyed a mentor relationship is somebody that's very regularly meeting with me. We know our goals together. You know, I have, I am showing up as the mentee with things that I'm working on and the mentor is helping me get there as far as learning, um, development, uh, you know, maybe it's around my specific competency and skill set in the role. Maybe it's around um, my executive presence, you know, so we've got, we've got things that we're working on. That's how I think about mentorship in that, like, we both have those things happening and we're both coming to the table with that together. A sponsor in my mind is someone who like, cause I don't, he helped me a lot. He did a lot of things, but what he really did was he, you know, in, in, when you're at the table in the room at the executive table and you say, no, Christine can do that. Nope, that's who should be leading that priority. I mean, and and consistently pushing me in front of other people to say, no, she can do that, you know, and leading almost just, I mean, a, a large department of predominantly men, um, you know, she can do that too. And I kept saying, no, no, I don't think I want to do that. I don't know if I can do that. You know, we're a hundred million dollar company with 60% of the revenue, like it's a lot, you know, so, and I knew what it was. So, um, yeah, but he consistently sponsored me in front of other people that were the decisions were being made. My name was being brought up in a way that he was advocating me to the front. 
So, so talk about translating that into to boys, right? Like you, I've got two boys, Scott has two boys. Um, you know, what are you teaching the, what are you teaching kids about women, about how to respect them and open doors or, you know, whatever it is, the chivalry. Couple of funny things. So, um, like anything, I think, it, you know, they're blind spots for when they're little, you know, they're, they're just blind spots. And, um, I'll say my two, I started working on them a few years ago. I'm noticing things. I said like, Hey, if I'm struggling with the, the groceries, like you got to notice that, like, look around what's happening. Like I'm trying to carry this in. This is not, so I didn't couch it as being like a chivalrous, chivalrous man, right? I was saying like, this is the right thing to do. If anybody's struggling, do it. If, and if you, like, yeah, if I will, and if, if you're struggling, Richard, I'm probably going to grab a bag too and help you in, but like starting to help them notice things. So I actually started paying them for it. So, um, so every time they, <laughs> every time they would notice something, like I would see them like hold the door open for, you know, a lady at the grocery store or do something like this. Like they started seeing opportunities and I never told them, I was just like, Hey, I appreciated that you're noticing and I'm going to give you a little, a little something for it. I have no idea if this was bad or good, but I was trying to reinforce the behavior that I wanted from them, um, that they never knew when it was going to happen but it actually caused them to be more mindful. And, you know, obviously that was just for a little while that we did that probably around like when they were like, it was probably like nine and 11 is how old they were actually at that time. When we were, when I was like, I, I really appreciated that here is a dollar. And it, every time they help me with my groceries, they didn't get a dollar just occasionally, I you know, like, so, dollar. like that's it. That's all I get for opening the door. Like, well, I mean, we also do chores a little different in my house too. Like I actually have like, when they were little, I had lists of chores and they could choose based on what they wanted to make. Uh, so dog poop pickup was two bucks. Dusting was 25 cents. And so we would talk through, I'm like, look, we just, we just do things a little different here. I don't want to do the dog poop pickup. So I'll pay you a little more to do it. And I will tell you that at, <laughs> like you want to dust. Dusting can only happen one a week, once a week though. So you're not going to dust every day and get 25 cents. So I just kind of created this chore list where they could choose how much money you want to make. It's got to all be done. And uh, I will tell you, I was, it was a proud mom moment, proud sales mom moment. My eight year, he was eight at the time. He came back in and he goes, it's hot. And I just got bit by ants. I'm going to need more money for that dog poop pickup. And I was like, okay, how much more? He said it was at that point, $2. He said $3. I was like, 225. He goes, mom, he whips up his like pants. He shows me the, the ant bites and he's like 250. I'm like, okay. And that, I was so proud. I just had like, what are those mom, you know, he shit like breaking my heart with the ant bites, you know? <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I know that you are super passionate about getting more women into sales. I know that you have upcoming, uh, event is like eight women on one on one panel i think eight or ten something like that how do you how are you coaching and and teaching some of your contemporaries and some of the women who are more junior than you mm -hmm. to find some of these you know advocates sponsors mentors who are are men like what questions should they be asking and like how do they 
figure out a red flag that no, that's not the right kind of person for you. Are you what are you doing there to, to guide them? So one of the things I always think about is what do I want to learn in this next experience? So that's how I actually kind of tell people to like pick mentors, um, you know, kind of saddle up. Uh, sponsorship is a little different because somebody really has to believe in you. And that's not as like back and forth. It's like you, it's a little bit different. It's a little more one-sided, if that makes sense in my mind. Mentorship is different. And so when I think about that, people, I often tell women, okay, you're thinking about this role or you're thinking about, I want to be this by 40, by 35, I want to have this title and all these different things. And I'm, I would switch that and say like, Okay, in the next year, what is it you want to learn in order to do what? Because a lot of times I don't think. Yeah, uh, in order to do what is really important there. Yeah, in order, what are we trying to do? And sometimes we don't know what role. Sometimes we don't, are, we're not clear. You know, if you would have told me when I was a sales rep that I would have been, you know, leading the direct sales org in just a few years, I would have said, Nope, not me. That's not for, that's not it. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't do that. But like, if you tell me and ask me like, what do you want to learn? I could have articulated that pretty easily. And that directionally, I think helps figure out the type of individual that you might want to um, ask to be a mentor. You know, also ask if you have the opportunity and you're in a, a situation where you need more guidance and need more help, ask hey, would you invest in an executive coach for me? Would you invest in, I mean, I have had that gifted to me, you know, as like, and I've really, really benefited from those conversations. So I think it's it's about forward thinking. It's asking for what you want in a way that makes good sense. And also showing that there's some ROI there, especially if you're gonna ask them to pay for something like a coach. Here are the things that I'm gonna be doing, you know, et cetera. That's also good coaching for, any of the male sales leaders who are out there listening because yeah. it's a different, it's a different way of framing the question. And this in order to do what part I think is really relevant. Right. And, and I don't think enough sales leaders ask the question differently based on who they're talking to. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, we've got to uh, wrap up here in just a, a minute, Christine, but we like to end every show by saying, how can we help you? Is there anything that we can do for you? Anything you're working on that you want to kind of push out there and publicize a little bit, whatever it is. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that so much. First of all, you know, I really just love everything about the community that I think we're all building together. Thursday Night Sales is just my favorite. I mean, it's, it's tonight. I love it all the time. And so appreciate it. And um, I think the best way is just when you hear people that are looking, that are questioning, I want you to feel like you can use us as a resource um, because um, it is free for people to do within 30 days, you know, we want them to feel a little pressure on that to complete it for obvious reasons. But it's really important that we that we are a resource for people. And I want to continue to be that way, despite um, despite what maybe other similar organizations do that the, where the revenue is a lot clearer and a lot more linear and a lot um, more fundable. And, um, and also if you're, <laughs> you know, know of sales leaders that are really open to how can I get more people in here that might not have the perfect background. Um, we have them. 
And so I'd love to talk about, about how we could partner together with the re really good organizations with strong leadership. What's, what's you, I heard Scott mention an event about eight women being on a panel. What is that? What, where could people go check it out? Um, well, we're, like, last night we did a mom panel. I think that might have been the one you were talking about. That's, that's the one I was talking about. It was uh, last night. Where could, I hope there's a recording for it. The there is there is um i don't remember the podcast or it was a live it was a live on linkedin it, it was yesterday and um, we all talked about being moms in sales um it was really interesting and insightful um and just i mean gosh there's just a lot there that that yeah anybody and there were there were a lot of guys in there too you know talking about it and it's being a parent is a tough thing when you're when you're doing this work so um it's not just about you know uh, moms specifically but that this one was that topic we'll, we'll tell people to go go hit you up on linkedin okay um so if they're interested in, in checking that out because then you'll have one and christine thanks so much we've got to get a, a quick shout out to our October sponsors, um, Findem's our newest one that provides you with the best way to define what makes an A player in your org and get introductions uh, to ready-made interested A player candidates, even when they're not looking for a job. So be sure to check out Findem, as well as Lead 411, Gong, and Perception Predict. Um, and we really appreciate everyone. And thank you so much, Christine, for joining us. Oh, you guys are a blast. Thank you for having me. It was great. Bye. Bye.